Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome back to Aquarius Behavior. I'm your co-host, Morgan. I'm your co-host, Samantha. Morgan, what's your bevy today? I'm caffeinating and hydrating today. Oh, a double. Very needed. Yes. Mm. My husband made some cold brew coffee. (sighs) Just romancing me over there. Just thirst trapping you Mm -hmm. with caffeine in the fridge, pre-made. Oh. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally... My bevy also happens to be cold for us mm-hmm. and a water with the ice almost melted because that's where we're at in the day. Mm-hmm. So like the level of ice melt is like where we've landed in the timeline. I need the caffeine. Caffeinate, hydrate, caffeinate, hydrate. That's right. <clears throat> we're here for Book Nook and wow. <sighs> We are some feelings. Yeah. Welcome to Book Nook, everybody. If you're just joining us, welcome. Uh, Samantha and I do this podcast. We do a segment called Book Nook. Yeah, where we sit down and chit chat about some literature we've been consuming together. This year, we're reading The Twilight Twilight Saga Saga. by Stephanie Meyer. Oh, I'm so I'm so excited to be here for the second half of Twilight. Mm-hmm. Yes, the second half of Twilight. So here we are. Uh, this okay. So I'm I'm just gonna jump right in because that's what we do here. Okay, the second half of this book is fun. I just had a fun time. Okay, because let me tell you, the first half is is emo. Super emo, right? And yes. we were talking about how that was very much the theme. And we, uh, in our last episode, our last Book Nook episode two weeks ago, we <laughs> had a lot of fun reminiscing about our angsty teenage years. Mm-hmm. And so that was a time. Now we start the second half of this book and we're just fucking in love, man. Yeah. And it's real cute. I gotta say, this was so cute. Maybe I'm just feeling more nostalgic too um because my personal life this past week was just the worst, absolute hell yeah, and dumpster so fire. Mm-hmm. This got to be my escapism. Mm. And let me tell you, your refuge <laughs> if you will. I get it. I get it. I get why people love Twilight. Mm-hmm. Okay? Already. I'm here for it in book 1. I understand now. Yep. <laughs> I'm so glad we're reading them cuz yes. you have not read like the back half of the catalog. So nope. <sighs> reintroducing and falling in love with this series has been so much fun. Okay. So the nostalgia of Twilight, mm-hmm. it is your refuge. You get it. Yes. Get back in there. And just the f- fucking fantasy, man. And so now, now what I loved, because this is what gets me to here, because now I'm getting the fantasy that I wanted, because the whole first half of this book, it's a mystery. And Edward Cullen is being a dopey dope, okay? He's so moody. I'm having a feeling. Yes, he's so moody. The whole first half of this book is confusing. Like, I'm feeling kind of icky because this boy is being weird. But then now the second half, uh, we're getting all of his backstory. Edward is actually starting to open up to Bella and it's very cute. Like, he scoped her out and determined, like, Okay, 
you can be my safe person. <laughs> and so I found the second half of this book. I found it endearing. Uh, I just, I had such lovely, sweet memories of me being a teenager and like falling in love for the first time and the nostalgia. Uh, it's so sweet and it's just, it's very innocent too, which I like. And so that's what I'm just digging on uh, as I as I start to read the second half of this is just the absolute innocence and purity of them just falling in love and opening up to one another. And um, it's it's there is no sex, which is also great because this isn't a spicy book. And I guess I don't know. I guess I'm a 35 year old lady, so I'm reading this now, and I've read other stuff now, and I'm like, this is not spicy, this is nothing. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe if you're like an 11 year old reading this, eh, I guess. Yeah, I feel like there are some steamy moments in this book. Maybe a little bit of. Mm. Um, it's not quite a spicy. Mm -hmm. um, but I would put maybe like a tiny icon next to this book that means like mm -hmm. if you don't like a little bit of spice, watch your step. Because mm -hmm. there's a few times where like Stephanie does a great job of talking about how Bella just loses herself in a moment and like throws herself on Edward. And Edward is just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> you're a human and I can't. So too much, too much, it's just too much. Well, ooh, okay. one thing I'm going to label this a saucy that's what the because word it's is. not spicy no. it's not spicy mm -mm. it's saucy okay mm -hmm. this is like a ketchup <laughs> if we're going if we're comparing books to condiments <laughs> is it a seasoned sour cream <laughs> which i think everybody needs to start doing that's gonna now be my rating system is comparing it to sauces oh yeah okay it's like hot oh, ones yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah this is a ketchup twilight's a ketchup okay yeah some it's a sauce some might say, oh, that's a little saucy. Tingles my tongue. Book one. Ketchup. Book one. Ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> or catsup, depending on your pronunciation. <sighs> okay, on to what you were going to say. I interrupted you. Um, I mean, this, Excuse is what, me. this is what Book Nook's about. So uh, the one, the one, the one thing, <laughs> no, 85 things I have to say. Uh, one thing that I noticed, too, about the pacing of this book is that we have slow burn development in the beginning. And then, you know, what we're going to do in the second half. We're going to go. We're going to go and we're going to go hard, just like Persuasion did, just like Northanger Abbey did, not to like bring Jane Austen last season book nook into it. But, but we have to. But we, we have we to compare. because that is like mm -hmm. I noticed that the writing structure and what we commented on a lot last season was the pace of the book and how as the reader you're like lulled into love you're literally lulled into love in the beginning of the book mm -hmm. and then the second half the author is saying okay i have you now i have you and you're in you've bought in you are in the ketchup you are in the sauce and you are loving it and now we're gonna go on an adventure or we're gonna do some character development or journeying I just noticed that because we divided this book in actual half, right in the middle of the meadow scene, it really does just take off after that. Mm -hmm. We get all of the lore from Edward about his family, which we have to talk about. And then we go, we, um, 
wow, some things happen. We play some baseball and some things go down. <laughs> oh my god! It's gosh. all about baseball, man. <laughs> Okay. It's true. It's true. And I want a whole vampire baseball book, but that's a side conversation need that I will have with my with Stephanie Meyer and myself. Okay. Where do you want to start, Morgan? Okay. Well, other I, thoughts. Thank you for pointing that out because you're so right. I'm literally holding the book open. I have a, a little crease in the ha- in the middle of the book now from all of my note taking. And you're right. The first half, it's really, would you say we're marinating? Mm, yeah we're marinating in the sauce yeah we are marinating in the sauce for the first for the first half Mm -hmm. and then the second half yeah the sauce is on the it's bubbling because we have like three boiling point we have three components to like this second half of the book Mm -hmm. is like their cemented love for each other the lore that we learn about all of the vampires Mm -hmm. and then all of the dominoes of events that lead us to Phoenix mm-hmm. and then how our characters end at the end of the book. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so chunky. A lot happens. So are you ready? <laughs> I mean, it's digesting these uh, books is so fun because with these, as opposed to last season, yes. uh, we had a 250, maybe 500 pages total but it was one book in one whole month. And so mm-hmm. now we are reading double time, mm-hmm. which uh, means double the fun. Mm-hmm. Double the fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I have to start off just at the very beginning. So when I'm talking about the beginning of this is so cute. They're falling in love. They're having, you know, this like sexy conversations and moments and feelings. What am I exactly talking about? Okay. There's a lot of like soft touches. So now... That Edward and Bella have professed their love for one another and they feel safe with each other. Now they're experimenting with their physical boundaries. Okay. And their physical boundaries involve things like, (laughs) sorry, I love it. And it also makes me giggle. So it involves things like standing as close as possible to one another without touching and just breathing on each other's necks. Okay. So there's some of that. Uh, there is some light caressing with one finger or maybe one hand, mm-hmm. but all upper body stuff. Yep. And it's only Edward. Edward's not touching Bella. It's exposed skin. Bella's the handsy one. She's, She's exploring. Fucking thirsty, man. <laughs> She's parched okay that's what i love about the book is that you get her whole internal monologue about how she's just like edward is just such a just deep thirsty drink of water um yeah i've been a teenage girl (laughs) i remember (laughs) i remember what that was like i've been that okay (laughs) that collectively soft touches yeah a lot of soft touches a lot of soft caressing you know what feels good what doesn't feel good what's scary what are our boundaries what makes the tingles happen edward runs away a couple times yes (laughs) yes running across the room i love that image then all of a sudden he's like 10 feet away he zips over there (laughs) like i need a minute I need to compose myself. Yes. But I love I love the boundary setting that they do because like he will say, I need a minute. And then Bella's thing that she starts to say is, I need a human minute, mm-hmm. which I thought was adorable. She's because that's like a shower. Yeah. The human minute refers to just like all of her bodily functions. You know, she needs to eat, she needs to go to the bathroom, she needs to shower, she needs to brush her teeth. Like all of these things that she's like, hey, 
I don't want to talk about all those things because like it's private because like humans keep that stuff private. And so you need to remember that that's a part of being human and you're dating a human now. So yeah, just (laughs) don't listen. Give me my privacy and I'm going to have a human minute. Love when she was just like in the shower trying to calm herself down. I really related to the paragraph about her unknotting the muscles in her neck with the hot water Mm -hmm. and how she's trying to calm herself down from all of her bajiggityness from Mm -hmm. Edward. And then she starts thinking about, you know, the the vanilla sweetness. She starts thinking about him and gets all bothered again. And the shower didn't even work. It's just the completely befuddled befuddled with a person is that the right word she's just Mm. so she's bajiggity she's so bajiggity she's so into him and everything that he's got going on but also she needs to step away and say okay i need to go take a Mm -hmm. poo (laughs) yeah yep it's time for me to poop (laughs) Mm. let's normalize that Mm -hmm. in twilight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and and so i'm seeing let me just say Coming at this from a 35-year-old perspective here, mm-hmm. I'm act- I'm seeing some healthy boundary setting here between them. I'm seeing them set their limits. I'm seeing each of them listen to their partner. I'm seeing each of them come to their partner with compassion about their needs, even though they're completely different. Like, they have complete opposite needs, <laughs> literally. They could not be more opposite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm just seeing respect. And so therefore, I'm just adoring this. I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I guess I just I don't understand all like all the criticism. Yeah, I'm not seeing it yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. If you feel that this is controversial, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Your feelings are valid. Yeah, but this my is my feelings are. I think this is lovely. A nostalgia. And if, and if I read this yeah. with like a preteen teenager, I would I would like to have those conversations and be like, okay, what are you seeing here? What seems healthy to you? What doesn't seem healthy? Oh, great. Let's talk about it. I think that's you know, would you like if your partner behaved this way? Talk to me about that. What would you do if your partner upset you? Um, I think that this book, like so far, provokes a lot of questions and I think conversation that could be interesting to have with young folk. Yeah, with the whether good or bad, like let's talk about it. How would that make you feel? How would you deal with that? Do you like that? Do you not like that? Okay, this is just one relationship and it's fiction because vampires actually don't exist. (laughs) But also, if you were in that situation, I like it because sometimes as we progress in the series, Stephanie does use a lot of moments to show characters' flaws and their red flags. What are their red flags? What are they? And so I remember as a reader, as a younger reader, reading this, and it was an opportunity to come into contact with, wow, that conversation feels icky. Why is that? Oh, it's because X, Y, Z. And so I think sometimes this gets criticism because of the relationship, but perhaps it gives us an opportunity to look at that and uh, compare and contrast between what we think is healthy boundaries and not. Stephanie's just presenting these totally. characters. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love that. Um, and then we start talking. So page 227. <laughs> I love this page because they talk. I have a post-it that just says sexy hungers. <laughs> Yum. Yeah, so this this is a page. Um, so Edward starts talking, like I said, he starts really unraveling 
in the second half of this mm-hmm. book in the beginning. Okay. So he starts talking about like his feelings and he doesn't even know what all of his feelings are, which he's super honest about. He's like, I just want you to know that you're at one point he says, you're bringing the human back out in me. And it's really weird. And he's like, it is there. Like there is this part that's there, but it's really difficult. And I don't even know what it is, but I just know that it's different than like all of my vampire instincts. And so I just find this sweet because he is so frustrated, like he's hurting, but he's trying so hard. (laughs) He's like really giving it his all. Um, And so like this part, you know, he's talking about, yeah, so there are all of these other feelings like I've never actually wanted somebody before, Uh, like in this way, which is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Like it's not this just this hunger, which is like I feel anyway. Yeah, it's not just that thirst. Um, and we know what he means, right? It's a sexual hunger. <laughs> but if you're younger, Sex you don't know. Fuel. That's It's age appropriate because, you know, people, it's vague enough where people wouldn't know if yeah. they're not. Sorry. What is this feeling so sudden and new? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in my loins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so okay. uh, yeah. that just all so, 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 so cute. And then we actually learn about Edward specifically. We find out how old he is. We find out where he came from. We find out. I love the part right before that part. It's like I love all the parts of this, but the part before that part where uh, we get like the um, it's almost like the truthy letter at the end of an awesome novel where it's like, hey, this is all the things that I was doing while you were doing your things. You were attending school and I was working my way to Alaska because mm-hmm. I was having a feeling and I couldn't be near you. And so we get all the behind the yes. scenes stuff that Edward was experiencing as Edward, mm-hmm. which I think was Stephanie's first foray into what then turned into Midnight Sun, which we'll be getting to later in the year. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, that's a good point. We definitely just got kind of the structure. Yeah, we did. For Midnight Sun. Oh, you sneaky sneak, Meyer. Isn't she sneak? She's just sneaking it in there. I see you. And I I do love these pages and I'm glad that you called attention to them because this is like his his story, his monologue, his point of view, his vampire kind of feelings and point of view. And he's just telling Bella like all of his secrets as he sees them. And we know that he's pretty informed because he can hear everyone's thoughts around him mm-hmm. in real time. Yep. So for me, it also is an opportunity as the reader to have some empathy and understanding toward Edward and his journey because he was sick with the Spanish flu back in like 1912 or whenever that was. His parents have died. And mm-hmm. we learn that like, how his bond with Carlisle develops in these pages specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we meet his family. We're not we just, there yet. I know, I know. We're not there <laughs> yet. We're going to talk about all of them. We're gonna, I think we should talk about all of them next. But I love that time is taken to talk about the origin story of this family because a continuing theme throughout this book that I find is also you have your relatives, but you also have your chosen family. You have Mm. the people who will back you up no matter what. And after they play baseball, they're problem solvers, Morgan, backing each other up. We have so much to talk about. So uh, family, that's all I'm going to say. 
Boom. We should. So that's Boom. that's what's great about these pages is we get just the backstory mm-hmm. and the inside Edward's head thoughts. Yes. Yes. So some things that we learn about Edward, right? We learn that he's 104. He was born in 1901. At the time, the book was written in 2005. Okay, so that he's 101 years old. Okay. Uh, now he's older, though. Because time? Because of time yeah. passes. Wow. And more years mean that you get older. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so he was dying during the Spanish influenza. So now, like, I, as you know, I am such a history buff. And so now we're starting to get history which i love and so i'm like oh my god yes please tell me how old you are when did you die like what era was this what was going on in the world uh so we find out about that and he fully walks us through his family history and is like hey here's how we all came together all right we learn that edward was the first vampire that carlisle made oh so there, that right away just speaks to me of how... Before Esme. Yes, before Esme even came into the picture. Mm-hmm. So this, like, already now I see how, like, truly close their bond is. I mean, wow. this That just speaks volumes to me. Um, and the fact that... Because we then also later find out how old Carlisle is, and he is much older. And so... Also seeing that Carlisle spent so much time alone before Edward came into the picture and that his family is very new to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, his this family is 100 years old and some of them have just recently, more recently come into the picture. So that to me was wild because I'm expecting just the way that they interact with each other. They've been together forever and ever and ever. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of wild to me. Um, and then, you know, we learned the order in which everybody came into the family. Uh, Backstory. Ow, ow, ow. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, I want to know so much more. I, I hope that each of their stories is elaborated on throughout the series because I have so many more questions. Uh, each person probably could have their own book, honestly, or their own like, saga. She could write a saga about each of these characters. Yeah. Alice is a complete mystery, which is that going to be resolved during the series? Do we ever find out about her? We find out about it at the end of this book. About like her actual past? Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about it. Yeah, because it's literally like one and a half sentences. That's it? And then it's, yeah. Did I miss it? Yeah, I guess you did. (gasps) I guess I did. Yeah, do you want me to tell you about it right now? Yeah. Okay, Morgan. So you know how... The baseball scene, right? Okay, yes. Because we've talked about everyone. We're going to talk about everyone more, all their backstory and everything. Mm-hmm. But we're jumping in. Baseball scene, right? Let's go. So they're playing baseball. Everyone's in love. And we wait for thunder. We hit the ball. Everyone has a feeling. Everyone <sighs> yep. plays baseball for a beautiful, shining moment. Everyone is just being their normal, so vampire cute selves. And Bella's like, well, maybe this is how life could be. And then Alice is like, oh, shit, three vampires are coming. Yeah. And it's Laurent and it's Victoria and it's James, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The visitors. Uh-huh. So we find out about Alice that she was made, but she doesn't have any memory of it. Right. At the end of this book, it talks about how James created a vampire. Mm-hmm. years ago and left her in an insane asylum because he wanted her 
and he couldn't have her. That's right. So he references it, but it's hard to pick up because they don't, it's not specifically spelled out. So there's a moment where Alice like knows now where she has come from and that's why she didn't have any memories is because she would have been called a witch back in her day. It was that that part. Yeah, that part. So, yeah. So um, we find out more about all of these characters as oh, the saga continues. But that's one thing that I feel like uh, doesn't get yelled about enough is that not only is James just showing up. Can you imagine now, right? Okay, now that you know this, right? You're James. You yes. walk into a clearing and not only do you just see vampires hanging out, you see the vampire that you were thirst the <sighs> human, the yes. human who smelled so good that you were thirsting over and you left because whatever he ran away. Oh, because she got turned into a vampire. So he didn't care anymore. So she wasn't human. So he couldn't drink her blood. And so now it's like, oh, my gosh, there she is. And what else smells delicious? So. James is a like cyclical character in that way where he's already gone one turn around the Cullen clan. And that is Alice's origin story. That is not represented in the movie at all. Correct. And oh, it's tough MG. to uh, pin it down at the end of the book. <sighs> yeah. See, this is also, I will say, okay, here, right. I'm an audiobook listener uh, that's, but it's that's what, one of the downsides of an audiobook for me. I miss it. I'm raising my hand. Yes, Samantha. Morgan, this is Book Nook. This is for everyone who just wants to experience mm-hmm. the vibes. We are not here to relay the entire story. We're not here to hit every plot point, character arc, beautiful thing, whatever. We're here to yell about what made us feel passionate and excited. And that doesn't mean that you need to memorize the audiobook. That just means you need to show up with at least looking at it and get ready to yell about it. They don't talk about it at all. It's like they just don't care about Alice's origin story. And that is something that has always grinded my gears. Interesting. Yeah. Does it grind your gears? Freaking grinds my gears. I think that's interesting. Just. Yeah, that's interesting. Myers intention to just mention that subtly. I don't know. I'm not mad that I missed it. I just was doing so many other yeah. things. Yeah. It's just um, like a little tidbit. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you reviewed that. Oh, wow. OK, we're bouncing around a lot today because we just were at the first part. Now we went to the second part, like the very last part of the second part. And now we're coming back to the beginning part again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Book nook. Book nook. Right. <laughs> chaos. Absolute chaos. Whoa. OK. Yeah, mm. revelations. Interesting. So, okay, so Alice's story is kind of vaguely mentioned and wrapped up in this book, which means hopefully the other ones we're going to get some more detailed information about. Is it wrapped up? Well, it seemed like sort of because okay. like he died. <laughs> And so now I'm like, how much else could happen? Yeah, what are the other because mysteries? Because like now cast? he's dead, so it's not like she's going to get more information out of him or anything. So oh, she can have like the redemption, right? You know, or, or she can't. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't get an explanation. She doesn't revenge killing. N- yeah, she doesn't get like, okay, tell me why you did this. Like, there's nothing. Like he's dead now. So we know. To he me, told Bella. that's just resolved. Yeah. Of like, eh. yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. 
is Alice going to get more? I hope Alice gets more. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad we talked about James. And yeah, so that's why he, you know, we're at the baseball scene. Mm-hmm. The wind. We got to back up though. Oh, we're because we're backing up. Again? We got it because okay. that's why I said I'm so sorry because now we've missed the whole we met the Collins. Oh yeah, we met the Collins. I know. It's okay, so, so, so we've got to back yep. back up. We yep. we jumped ahead too far. That was my mistake because I started bringing up Alice and then I told you I wanted you to tell me. I should have waited. <laughs> that's okay. I was too eager. No, that's okay. <laughs> Let's go. Back to meeting each of our people. Yeah, so we have to bounce back now, okay? Mm -hmm. Because we're meeting the Cullens, because there's a lot that happens in the section that just really, for me, was a big deal. Because, again, we just learned so much more about Edward. Yeah. Uh, Meeting his family, we do get the whole backstory, like I said, of, okay, here's the order in which everybody joined the family. Here's how long we've all been together. But then we actually get to go into his house. Oh, and it's so it just the way that Meyer describes it, it just sounds cozy. Mm-hmm. It sounds warm. It sounds safe. Um, it's it's completely also completely different than the movie. It is not at all like the movie, yeah. which is a very modern house uh, and filled with glass. The book version that's described, it's this old farmhouse. It's this, you know, just rustic house that's probably 100 years old. It's on an acre of land. It's beautiful. Trees are everywhere. You can see the mountains in the background. There's a long driveway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just sounds lovely to me. And also, totally, when we went to Forks, I will say the house looks very much like that. <laughs> it's such a cozy white house. Yeah, yes, we, the Cullen house the Cullen in Forks. House. Mm-hmm. It does look like the description. I I really do appreciate that. <laughs> it was just so it was so cozy looking, and we were able to stand in the front yard and just look at it. We were just able to look at it. We oh, were so cute. It was cute. So there's just a lot more flirting that happens here. They go into Edward's bedroom. Oh, my gosh. Going into bedrooms with boys. Oh, my gosh. I love going into somebody's bedroom because that's just like, oh, my gosh, what are the things that you keep around you? Like, what are your intimate things? Um, And especially like, yeah, a boyfriend's bedroom or a girlfriend's bedroom because that the rest of the house is not theirs. <laughs> so like, this is the yeah. only room that's truly theirs and they can put all of their stuff in. So it's just like, what are your hobbies? What are your favorite things to do? And we find out, we kind of knew that Edward was into music. Like he's been playing different kinds of music in the car. He's made comments about like the 50s. Yep. Uh, classical music. He likes, yeah, there was that time he went through all of the eras and which decades were good and which ones weren't. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> he's an old man. I like that he's an old man with opinions. <laughs> he's got some opinions. They're valid. Um, so naturally his bedroom is just filled with CDs and he's got a really great sound system uh i just love that yeah that's his thing and i think maybe if i were 104 years old i would also probably just have my set hobby of this is the the thing that has survived the times you know this has lasted yeah this has lasted this has lasted uh so we get all that and then I love that we actually get 
the whole backstory of Carlisle, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, they go into just much more detail. Yeah. Which, again, is not in the movie. I we don't eat, get any of that. Eat all of that up. Yeah. Carlisle in the 1700s. Give me it. Oh, my god. Saving gosh. people. Yeah. Just being a hero vampire. Alone. Until 1901 when he found Edward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just alone for like 200 some years. Uh, he's over 300, which is wild. But he died when he was 23, which also so much younger than I was imagining throughout this book. So it's like they could have, Carlisle and Edward could have just been friends back in the day. Yes. Like two buddies, a 23-year-old and a 17, 18-year-old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like... That's the thing I love about how young Carlisle is because you can't quite get to it in the movie. It's like he's young. He is so young. Oh my gosh, little wee baby. And and I think about too, just, you know, he's a surgeon, he's a doctor. And so having a 23-year-old as your doctor, first of all, I mean, that would mean he was child genius, like Doogie Hauser. Hello. Um is that his name? I don't know. The child MD. The Do you know what I'm talking about? Your eyes have gone blank. You don't. It's no, okay. I totally do. Um, it's Neil Patrick Harris. It's Doogie yes. Hauser. I just sometimes. Is that his name? Yes. Okay. I, I don't watch that show, but I know of it. So as you were saying it, I was like, yeah, is that his name? That does sound right. That's why my eyes looked blank is because I was back in the caverns just double checking. Oh, you facts. went back in your mind palace. Doogie Hauser. <laughs> MD. Yeah, it's he would have had to right? be a child prodigy. Yeah. And then also you have, you know, you're re- you're in Forks, Washington, you need surgery and a 23-year-old bops <laughs> in. It's like, "Hello? Like how did you go to medical school and 8 years of residency or whatever the requirement would be?" <laughs> no, false. I, Not that there's a minimum age for doctors, but like Carlisle's pushing it. He l- lies about his age, I'm sure. Well, of but, course, of course. But like 23 year olds look like 23 year olds that's all i have to say (laughs) (sighs) yeah i agree again now as a 35 year old person that that's so young oh my goodness so that that also is just wild because again i've been going through over half the book right now with this picture of him in my head which is semi-tainted by the movies because that's my reference but you know they did a good job with movies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Also, he swam to France. It just because. Which just was a, a part of the story too. Just he just swam to France. Yeah. Edward just drops that. Edward just drops that little fact in there. Just to, I wonder like what things because he's a vampire. He's so smart. He is thinking twelve times as fast as everything mm. around him. I wonder how calculated he is when he drops like these little nuggets for Bella to like hear. Like he swam across to France. Like it's like oh I bet that'll make her react. <laughs> Put that little nugget in there for her. Oh my gosh. Well, it just it seemed to me like he didn't even think about it. Like yeah. it wasn't yes. I, that's I don't know. That's like how I'm kind of reading Edward is just as he tells her these things like they seem so bland or embarrassing to him. Mm-hmm. And she's just so impressed. Like it doesn't seem it didn't seem to me like he was throwing out things to like boast about. Mm-hmm. I was reading it more as like a shyness and like, hey, I'm going to tell you these things, but 
don't know how you're going to react to them. Uh, so more like he's <laughs> listing facts that have occurred. Like, and Carlisle yeah, swam yeah, to yeah, France. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It seemed more to me that like Esme was trying to kind of be impressive. Oh, let's that was talk- That was how I was reading it, at least. That was how my brain was interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Esme? Yeah, girl. Oh my God. Tell me. Duh. Talk to me about all your Esme feels. Ugh. Esme is such a underdeveloped character in the movies because we find out her origin story. And I think that I did. I highlight it in the book where it talked about everyone's different strengths and Esme's was compassion. Hold on. Oh, yes. It was talking about what everybody kind of everyone's gift, mm-hmm. essentially, because Edward was saying, well, not everybody's like me or Alice and have these really uh, well-defined gifts that are obvious. Right. He said some of them are much more subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh, I have it here. Yay. <clears throat> thank you. Yeah. So page 251. <clears throat> Carlisle brought his compassion. Esme, her ability to love passionately. Emmett brought his strength. Rosalie, her tenacity. Or you could call it pig-headedness. He chuckled. Jasper is very interesting. He was quite charismatic in his first life, able to influence those around him to see things his way. Now he is able to manipulate the emotions of those around him. Calm down a room of angry people, for example, or excite a lethargic crowd, conversely. It's a very subtle gift. Wow. So, (laughs) I wonder, I don't know, I guess that's interesting. So, yeah, so it seems like there's something from your human life that is enhanced. That is enhanced then Mm -hmm. through becoming a vampire process. Yeah. Mm. Just, I, I love how Esme completes Carlisle. We see a lot of that teamwork and her backing him up and him backing her up and they're like thinking in concert with each other. Uh, I think that it's just a great example of a partnership that is healthy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, or respectful and Carlisle's so like thankful and appreciative of you know, what he and Esme have been able to build in their family. Mm-hmm. And her strength is her compassion for others. And I think that's so that's so evident in the second half of the book. She's just like, Bella, you're in. All right, you're in. Welcome. Welcome. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Hi. Mm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about Carlisle. Because... He's got a wild past. So his dad was a pastor mm-hmm. or a preacher, something, mm-hmm. some religious figure. They have this cross hanging in their house that Edward says Carlyle's dad made and carved. So that, too, like we're bringing in. Whoa. Just like uh, I wild. OK. The present and the past just colliding. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Meyer's bringing in, you know, these religious elements again. And I think it's interesting because, like, it's sprinkled in there. It was so 
just she slapped this Bible verse on the first page, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of this book. And that's how we're starting here is with Genesis 2.17. Um, so now we're getting it sprinkled in more. And it's so it's really interesting and intriguing to me that Carlisle has kept this cross throughout his life because first of all this is big like this is huge this would be heavy this is it's made of wood i mean it's not hollow Mm -hmm. so we have this huge cross like thinking about his life as a vampire and what we know about him now and how he became a vampire how he swam to france he wandered around europe uh and then somehow obtained this cross again and now has carried it with him like this is this is heavy this is bulky this is big you're gonna have to you're gonna have to ship this somewhere like you know you can't just put this in a backpack or put it in a cardboard box and load it onto your u-haul um no and also he was in europe like this was in europe so he had to somehow get this overseas i mean the logistics alone are just mm, a lot He's literally My carrying a cross. Up. He's carrying a cross. Morgan. It is the literal cross to bear. He's carrying a cross. Like literal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think about that. And when he talks, Edward said to just how much they move. So again, this is something that he's car- carting around with him everywhere they move. So that tells me that this has to be important to Carlisle. Like nobody is going to go through that trouble unless this object is sacred to them. And mm-hmm. so... It's interesting to me just how tied to this and this object that he is. And this is a symbol of just maybe him trying to keep his humanity, um, something about religion in general, even though, you know, he <laughs> Edward says, like, well, we're not particularly religious. Like, we don't actually do anything. Yeah, what um, would that look like for vampires? <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're right. He's still holding onto this religious yes. item, a mm-hmm. relic of his human existence. It's very important to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that just tells me the weight of of Carlyle's decisions m- like must just must be so heavy on him constantly. And this is it is that physical and literal representation of everything emotional that's going on with Carlisle. We don't get to we don't get to dive mm-hmm. any deeper into him. The book's not about him. It's, <laughs> it's not series, about it? you, Carlisle. It's not about you, okay? Um, but Meyer gives us this scene to so that we as the reader really get to connect with Carlisle. We get to see Carlisle through Edward's eyes and therefore understand the importance of their bond and the strength of their bond. Uh, and then also see uh, Carlisle in this more fatherly and like leadership kind of position and how he brings his morals into his family and really where that stems and comes from. Fascinating. I regret that this is not in the movie at all because this this chapter, this was my second favorite chapter aside from blood test. Those at this point, are my two favorite chapters. I'm glad you're keeping oh. track. It, oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's a fantastic chapter. I completely agree with you. Getting the behind the scenes for all of the characters, mm-hmm. she does it all in one chapter. So now we're caught up. We're caught up with the family. Mm-hmm. We know the implications of their choices and the significance of their choices. Now that we move forward, Whoa. I love that. Like Rosalie stumbled on Emmett fighting a bear, like. 
And then she carried him back to Carlisle a hundred miles. Yes. Like, stop that. Get out of here. Oh, my gosh. And they just, like, pretend to be in love or pretend to be a married couple and move away and then move back. And they're just hanging out. They go away for years at a time. They'll come back. And I just, Mm -hmm. I just, how they found each other. It's just a lot of feelings. Yes. And the restraint that that must have taken her, how yep. painful that must have been. Yeah. The with- there was something in his eyes. Oh, they're withholding and not murdering the mm. bleeding human that you're carrying. It takes a lot of everyone had to opt into this vegetarian, quote unquote, lifestyle, you mm-hmm. know, drinking the blood of animals. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine how many years ago it was. I don't know. What what era do you think that Rosalie found Emmett? Do you think it was in the 90s? Do you think he was wearing flannel? I oh just, my gosh. I wonder. I have questions because I, I do too. I couldn't tell from the book because I know no. loosely where Rosalie, her origin story started mm-hmm. and her motivations. And then, but Emmett, it was just like Rosalie found, I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back and look at the literature, but I like to think that they've been together for a lot of years. So mm-hmm. either it was 70s Emmett or 90s Emmett. That really does it for me. Oh, that's 90s so wouldn't fun. have been long enough, though. So it would have been before that. Anyway, <gasps> that's so fun to think about. What era? No, you're right. Because, uh, no, we only learned specific years about Edward and Carlisle. And then he explained, Edward explained the, just the order in which everybody joined but he didn't say specific times and i also i didn't pick up on any clues as to eras either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was oh he my gosh i'd love to know right because then that also gives me kind of a clue into everybody's personal style because i wonder if character styles evolved or if they all because again i've seen the movies and the movies are very trendy. They're very of their time, which is fine. It's a piece of art. Mm-hmm. And but I wonder how Meyer imagines them in terms of like what their hairstyles look like. And, you know, we get brief descriptions of everybody, but they are brief. a little vague in their yeah. brief. Uh, Rosalie is blonde and she she's looks beautiful. like she's on the cover of a Sports Illustrated. Yep. Emmett is big and strong and mm-hmm. tall and dark haired. We don't get much more than that. No. At this point. Yes. So I also <gasps> love because know. you know who does that too? Austin. She doesn't tell us what people look like all the time. It's no. just a little mystery and you get to piece it together in your head. We have a whole saga, so mm-hmm. we're going to find out more. But I see the these vagueness, are the things because the I haven't read the saga. Ha, and so I am just I'm presenting these questions out loud mm-hmm. and maybe we're going to get to them. We don't, I don't know. know. You know. But Maybe. I don't. I've forgotten so much, though. I just know that all of these characters, we just, they, Morgan, spoiler, they show up in a few more of the books. And so we get okay. more content from them. And it's just, it's the backstories that are created in these series uh, have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I like that in the second half of this book, we lay it all out so that us as the reader, we're fully informed to the level we need to be at this point of where everyone's at. And it helps us understand the next parts of what happens in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This novel, definitely an introductory novel. Like I said, I know how many books there are now. And so I can't wait to learn more. And and I have so many hopes for areas I want Meyer to explore and dig into more. Ooh, yeah. And so I can't wait to see if she does. 
I'm like all in on Twilight Gripping now. Gripping your book, yes. I, I'm all in. I'm all in, man. Yes. Hey, Abpod listeners. Hope you're feeling groovy, and this episode is bringing a slice of nice to your day. Did you know you could follow AquariusBehavior.pod on Instagram to see weekly episode updates and behind-the-scenes podcast pictures? Yeah, it's true. You can also email the show at AquariusBehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now on with the show. This is for real. Okay, so now we've reviewed everybody. So now, okay, now we're we're back. We're back to the point of baseball. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So when you talked at the very beginning, when of she gets this episode by uh, Charlie. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Oh. oh, Charlie. Oh my God, Charlie. Um. Okay. So when you're talking at the very beginning of this podcast of how the structure of this book was is your picking up similarities to in Austin. Uh first of all, I didn't pick up on that. And now that you say it, it's so obvious. Oh my gosh, you're right. And this part especially. Yes. It's the last quarter of this book, okay? We're we're starting uh with chapter 17 the game. From chapter 17 on, this is a roller coaster. We're moving at the speed of light just all of a sudden and 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 the pace changes so quickly like for me I was like whoa all of a sudden now we're in we were in this romance novel this this really soft sweet romance novel and now we're sprung into this action adventure uh everybody's so anxious Bella's life is threatened and we're seeing the other side of the vampire world, right? That Bell that Bella has been warned about. And Edward's like, I get my family is super cool. Okay. And I know that I'm super hot and sparkly, but not all vampires are like this. And just so you know, like we are super the exception. And now we're seeing that as the reader and like, oh, they really are the exception. Like this, they're weird. They're super weird. Yeah. Because we meet some like fucking feral vampires here. Uncomfortable. Yeah. So I have a part after after they have they're starting to run away from the ball game. Do you have anything mm-hmm. you want to talk mm-hmm. about during just like I love baseball. <sighs> I thought about my husband because <laughs> I wanna read I wanna read a paragraph of the baseball part before we go into this. Okay, because this is our Please podcast. Do. And the baseball I, part makes me feel happy. It's so and random joyous. and I love it. Okay. I love it. So, uh, all right. All right, as May called in a clear voice, which I knew even Edward would hear as far out as he was. Batter up. Alice stood straight, deceptively motionless. Her style seemed to be stealth rather than an intimidating wind-up. She held the ball in both hands at her waist, and then, like the strike of a cobra, her right hand flicked out and the ball smacked into Jasper's hand. Was was that a strike? I whispered to Esme. If they don't hit it, it's a strike. Jasper hurled the ball back to Alice's waiting hand. She permitted herself a brief grin and then her hand spun out again. This time, the bat somehow made it around in time to smash into the invisible ball. 
The crack of impact was shattering, thunderous. It echoed off the mountain. I immediately understood the necessity of the thunderstorm. And then I'm going to skip to this part. I'm up, he said. We're talking about Edward. He played intelligently, keeping the ball low, out of the reach of Rosalie's always ready hand in the outfield, gaining two bases like lightning before Emmett could get the ball back in play. Carlisle knocked one so far out of the field with a boom that hurt my ears that he and Edward both made it in. Alice slapped them dainty high fives. The score was constantly changed as the game continued, and they razzed each other like any street ball players as they took turns with the lead. Occasionally, Esme would call them to order. The thunder rumbled on, but we stayed dry, as Alice had predicted. And then, one page later, we are in trouble, Morgan. We're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. Edward paid no attention to the game at all, eyes and mind ranging the forest. I'm sorry, Bella, he muttered fiercely. It was stupid, irresponsible to expose you like this. I'm sorry. And then James shows up. And then James shows up. Everyone was having such a nice time playing baseball. And then we get our feral vampires just fast walking into the clearing, wanting to play baseball. Just, hi, guys. Can we play baseball with you? Just a damn psychopath. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. My gosh. So the part that I wanted to point out to you that I loved mm-hmm. was uh, on page 310. It is the part where Bella is being taken from the baseball game. All the vampires are trying to figure out what to do. What the heck do we do? We now have a tracker after Bella. Mm-hmm. And she jump. we're going to just jump in. We hit the main road. And though our speed increased... I could see much better where we were going, and we were headed south, away from Forks. Where are we going? I asked. No one answered. No one even looked at me. Damn it, Edward, where are you taking me? We have to get you away from here. Far away. Now. He didn't look back, his eyes on the road. The speedometer read 105 miles an hour. Turn around. You have to take me home, I shouted. I struggled with the stupid harness tearing at the straps. She's in like an all-wheel drive Jeep vehicle. Emmett, Edward said grimly, and Emmett secured my hands in his steely. I won't. You have to take me back. Charlie will call the FBI. They will be all over your family. Carlisle and Esme, they'll have to leave and hide forever. Calm down, Bella. His voice was cold. We've been there before. Not over me, you don't. You're not ruining everything over me. I struggled violently with total futility. Bella's standing up for herself. She is, um, I just, I love how strong and angry and pissed she is in this moment saying you are removing me from the situation and you think you're protecting me, but there's also other people that I need to protect, your family and also my father. Mm -hmm. Yep. I understand everyone is scared right now. Okay. We're all acting out of just instincts. Yeah. But she also needs to have some control here. This is her life. And that's part of their partnership and figuring that out is like, no, you just don't get to take over. Okay. 
That's that's not all right. We're partners. We're working together in this. Mm-hmm. It's not just about you. It's this is what happens after you fall in love. Then the fun begins. Then the work begins. That's right. <sighs> <laughs> but Bella stands up for herself and she gets to go back <clears throat> and see Charlie have just. <sighs> Are you ready to talk about <sighs> it? Yes, I already found the passage. Great. Do you just want to read it? I hate it so much. Bella hurts Charlie's feelings because she has to go away, <sighs> far away, like like Edward said. Oh Bella arrives back home. She needs to essentially <clears throat> break up with her father in their living situation and inform him that she's got to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My heart hurts. Break my heart. My heart hurt for you know I'm Team Charlie. Yeah. I'm in love with Charlie at this point, okay? And so, yes, Bella, oh, baby. She having to say those things to your father, too. (sighs) Yes. The right words that will hurt. Yep, she just rants around the house, goes and packs things, and is just yelling at him the whole time, says that she needs to leave Forks, and then eventually ends with saying, just let me go, Charlie. It didn't work out, okay? I really, really hate forks and we find out that these were her mom's last words to charlie when her mom walked out on him so then she just repeats that and leaves him absolutely stunned totally gutted i mean gutted is such a good word gutted yes and and she knows the pain that she is inflicting and she can see it uh bella is such an empath and you know she picks up on everybody's uh, feelings she picks up on tone so easily caring about everyone outside her bubble yes mm-hmm. and so you know we seeing this through her eyes is just absolutely heartbreaking oh, she has to hurt him to save him oh baby and edward's just outside in the car listening yep Ugh. and he can of course he hear can hear Charlie's, Charlie's thoughts. thoughts. So think about that one. I'm okay. Not gonna, that hurts my heart. Yeah. So I'm because that's what I'm thinking about is like you can hear Bella screaming, you can hear Charlie, but you can also hear what Charlie's thinking. And so you can hear all of the hurt. You can probably see Charlie's memories of like her mom leaving. And so now he complete he sees everything and like all of Bella's family dynamics and understands now like Oh no, like so this is what's going on. <gasps> Ow. I know. Ow. But also he's Stephanie definitely Meyer. Also, he's probably trying not to do that because he doesn't want to be intrusive. Privacy. But he had like he's so respectful. He's trying to be. I wonder how easy it is to tune out those <sighs> thoughts if it's just like da da da, like fingers in ears singing a song, or yeah. if it's just like, no, you can't when it's this loud or this powerful or this emotive. You can't tune it out because it is vibrating at such a high intensity. Dude. I have questions for vampires. Okay, think about this here. I'm ready. That's why Edward loves music. That's why he's so obsessed with music and constantly listening to music. Yeah. Because that, I bet, is the thing that shuts it out. Oh, God. And it drowns out all the thoughts. Oh, no. Oh, no. Critical hit. Oh, no. Oh, psychic damage. (laughs) Ah. No, Morgan. Oh, my God. Uh, Stephanie. Coming, coming for Book Nook in the pod lounge today. I, ow. Oh. That's what I love, though. This is one of my favorite things to do about these books, because once you get to know the characters, you can put yourself in their shoes while other things are happening. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about where everyone is placed during all of these conversations, 
who's overhearing what. Oh, Morgan, I did not think in all of in all of my 37 years of life, I did not think about how Edward would be sitting outside hearing Charlie. And also that's how he disassociates from his essentially his power is by constantly listening to music, which I can relate to. Ow. Fuck, Morgan. Oh, God ow, damn. Ow. <sighs> Hi, friends. Are you still there? <laughs> Hi friends, let's all have Are you a feeling okay? about Twilight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ah, I love these books. You know, these books make me feel alive, man. That's what it's all about. Making me feel alive. It does. I do feel alive. So Bella packs her bags. Yeah, she packs her bags. And then what where do they go? This is where just a lot happens in these parts. Uh, because there's a lot of shuffling about mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of Many changes of plans. They're many, at the airport. We've got They're, to do different things. Yep. Who's going with Bella? Who's staying behind? So there's just constantly all of this conversation and communication. And then Bella also chiming in and being like, whoa, hello, I'm here too. <laughs> Which she has to constantly do. Hello, it's me, gosh. Bella. Hi, hello. Well, and I'm sure too, you know, for her coming into this family, they've all had decades and decades to live together and get used to one another. So I. It seems to me that they probably all communicate very well. And also Edward being able to hear everybody's thoughts, you know, he's just taking everything in and he's probably not used to having to say things. So now we have Bella here who's like, hello, you can't communicate with me telepathically. So you have to use your words like a big boy now. Yep. And you got to talk to me. Whereas he's like, fuck, I'm not used to that. He I can just communicate to... with everybody through their minds. Probing <laughs> questions? Yes. <laughs> questions with a question mark at the end? <laughs> yes. So that just adds like another layer of anxiety oh, to this Edward. whole thing. Ugh. All right. God, he's just, he's learning. He's just learning to human. This is book one. Oh, book one. Just learning to human again. Book one. Oh my gosh. Okay. So they go to the airport and then she leaves with, is it Alice and Jasper? I mean, this all happens within 20 pages. It's so fast. Yeah. It's so fast. I know. I'm trying to keep track of all of it's the like, events mm-hmm. um, because they're just trying to get out to get away. But then Alice starts having visions. Okay. Which yeah. is interesting. So we need to get up in that. We got to get up in mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. right? Because they're traveling, they're taking her away. And then all of a sudden, Alice starts having visions. And Bella's there and is like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. So they are hanging out in the hotel room and Bella finds out a couple things and Alice has some visions. So I want to touch on those because those are just super interesting to me. I agree. Please, please, please. So the way that Alice's brain works is she can see the future with the current trajectory that they are on. So if anyone makes a different decision... Her visions, her perception of the future will change. And so we, as the reader, have some confusing moments uh, knowing that Alice doesn't know the choices that Bella is now processing and making as Mm -hmm. she finds out that she must sacrifice herself for to save her mom, essentially. So I'm going to rewind for a second. Where's the dog ear? I wanted to talk about the venom. Where is it? Because Bella finds out how to become a vampire from Alice. What page mm-hmm. is that on? Ooh, I lost yeah. my dog ear. So I, awkward. <laughs> and then, ah, got it. As 
Alice is having these visions, Bella is also still just so into becoming a vampire. She's seeing just the uh, all of the implications of not becoming a vampire and staying human. And it's just very much on her mind that, you know, the sooner she is changed, the better for everyone it'll be. It'll be safer for Edward. So she's just asking questions. So Alice, I think, is this Alice that starts this? Yeah. So (laughs) I'll tell you the mechanics of it, she said finally, but I don't remember it myself. And I've never done it or seen it done. So keep in mind that I can only tell you the theory. I waited. As predators, we have a glut of weapons in our physical arsenal. Much, much more than really necessary. She talks about strength and speed and Edward and how they are just going to smash their prey regardless. We have another fairly superfluous weapon. We're also venomous. She said, her teeth glistening. The venom doesn't kill. It's merely incapacitating. It works slowly, spreading through the bloodstream so that, once bitten, our prey is in too much physical pain to escape us. Mostly superfluous, as I said. If we are that close, the prey doesn't escape. Of course, there are always exceptions. Carlisle, for example. So... If the venom was left to spread, I murmured, it takes a few days for the transformation to be complete, depending on how much venom is in the bloodstream, how close the venom enters to the heart, and as long as the heart keeps beating, the poison spreads healing, changing the body as it moves through it. Eventually, the heart stops, and the conversion is finished. But all that time, every minute of it, A victim would be wishing for death. I shivered. (laughs) I did too, Bella. I did too. That sounds so painful. Now she knows what she has to do to be a vampire. Ooh, Ooh, choices, choices. Interesting. So then Bella decides that um, she gets a phone call, right? Let's just let's just skim over this part. She gets a phone yep. call. It's James. And James is like, guess what? I have your mom hostage in the ballet studio. Alice mm-hmm. has already seen a vision of this ballet mm-hmm. studio. Bella's like, oh, shit, that's my ballet studio that you're drawing. She doesn't say anything, though. She's just like, hmm, that's interesting. Oh, and it's here in Phoenix? Oh, interesting, interesting. So then James calls threatens bella says you have to come here and sacrifice yourself um edward needs to work for it and i will get my prey so it's inevitable come on down to the ballet studio and let's finish this it's very forward just very a very pompous way to be a hunter just very like it's just what a fucking weenie you know like what Mm -hmm. is this um millennial era weenie not regency era weenie but millennial era weenie that's just crappy Crappy sportsmanship, I felt. Just, oh, I'm going to call you and lure you to a ballet studio. But I'm going to tell you, hey, just come here to die. Mm-hmm. And so then Bella goes through all of these emotions in that chapter about what she's going to do. And once she decides that she is going to try and lose Jasper and Alice at the airport, mm-hmm. that's when Alice has the vision that somehow now Bella is in the ballet studio 
So there's this accusatory moment that Alice like looks at Bella and she's like, Bella? Bella's like, what? I don't know nothing. I'm just I'm just hanging out waiting for Edward. She just has to like she has to lie to Alice. That just the how did she how did how did Bella like have her body be so calm while she was just blatantly lying about a very big detail? Mm-hmm. I'm just a stupid little human. <laughs> No, she's calculating. She is thoughtful. She is trying to think three steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Like she's only human, but her her smartness capacity mm-hmm. and her daring in this part just really. I'm like, ooh, Bella, Bella. <laughs> so okay, um, okay. I need to revisit now because now I I see it right. Did I've you find seen it? Seen mm-hmm. the part about Alice. Yeah. And I would like to read this. Great. Because this is so important and I'm so glad you reminded me of this. Okay, so we're on page 362. So mm-hmm. this is at the point now where Bella has gone to James and she finds out this has all been a ruse. It's all been a ruse. James doesn't have her mom. No, She's in videotape. Oh, crap. Her mom has no fucking idea what's going on right now, okay? It's all been a Ruse. Bella's just alone at the ballet studio with James. Damn it. So now James is just playing with her and uh, toying around. So he is, you know, doing all this cruel stuff with her and then says, I would just like to rub it in just a little bit. The answer was there all along. And I was so afraid Edward would see that and ruin my fun. It happened once. Oh, ages ago. The one and only time my prey escaped me. You see, the vampire who was so stupidly fond of this little victim made the choice that your Edward was too weak to make. When the old one knew I was after his little friend, he stole her from the asylum where he worked. I never will understand the obsession some vampires seem to form with you humans. And as soon as he freed her... He made her safe. She didn't even seem to notice the pain, poor little creature. She'd been stuck in that black hole of a cell for so long, a hundred years later, and she would have been burned at the stake for her visions. In the 19th, in the 1920s, it was the asylum and the shock treatments. When she opened her eyes, strong with her fresh youth, it was like she'd never seen the sun before. The old vampire made her a strong new one, and there was no reason for me to touch her then. He sighed. I destroyed the old one in vengeance. Alice, I breathed astonished. Yes, your little friend. I was surprised to see her in the clearing, so I guess her coven ought to be able to derive some comfort from this experience. I get you, but they got her. Ugh! The one victim who escaped me. Quite an honor, actually interesting yes okay so this is fascinating for me i now remember reading this so yeah thank you yeah because <laughs> i remember is... listening to this in the car book nook is cyclical <laughs> and so now we can go back let's go back <clears throat> okay so oh my gosh that is fascinating okay so she's from she was made in like 1920s, 1920s she was ish. in an asylum yep. so and this is implying she had visions before she was a vampire and that's why she was in an asylum. And she brought that power into her vampire life. And it manifested in her being able to see visions. Wow. 
Ooh. Okay. I love that. I wish that that had been represented in the movie because the movie just seems so much more random. Like he's just, they just make James, he's just only just this random psychopath and for no reason other than he's just a a psycho. And we get um, Harlan is in the movie. Harlan Mm -hmm. is murdered an animal. Oh, it's an animal. Mm-hmm. So we have this. That's how they illustrate the danger of the vampires is they're making mm-hmm. it more like, oh, it's a threat to humans. But in the book, we know the reason and the motivation behind James going is not just because he's a murderer, but his actual brought into his vampire life is tracking. Mm-hmm. And once he sets his sights on an object, he won't let go. So they did say that in, in the movie, but mm-hmm. they... It is very much lost of what James's motivation is. Why is he chasing? Mm-hmm. Why is he chasing Bella? Why does it matter? Well, it's because he's vindictive. Mm-hmm. It's because he has low emotional maturity, Morgan. <laughs> he needs to go talk to a therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. And that's the part that the Alice part just makes it. I, for me, just more well-rounded. Rounded yeah, well, because yeah. he's he's a tracker, but he could have let go. He could have just said, okay, great. But it was that little vindictive part that like pushes him to the edge and just makes him that much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Ew, because he's ish. Yeah. Ugh, just put a sh- fucking shirt on already. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Cut to <sighs> the picture of you in the Forks bookshop. <laughs> Posing next to the cardboard cutout of James from the Twilight movie. Check out the Instagram, you guys. Yeah, when I saw it and I yelled at you, I thrust my camera into your hand. Sam, take a picture of me. It's I in that's it's so tough as we see time and time again, Morgan. It's just so tough to bring a book into a movie and they just have to clean some things out, drop some storylines. The magic of these books are the subplots, are the little paragraphs of sprinkles in there where it gives us just a little bit more of a layer of understanding Mm -hmm. of where these characters have come from. You know, Alice 1920s, like how does her being from the 1920s affect her choices and decisions moving forward? How when's Emmett from? Sorry, I don't know (sighs) still. I don't know. But. James, uh, I would say yeah, he was not uh, as well uh, made a threatening character in the movies mm-hmm. like he is in the book. He do- They do a good job. Like everyone's fucking freaking out, man. They're like, we got to get Bella away. James is going to murder her. Mm-hmm. Murder her. I saw his mind and he's going to freaking murder her. Edward watched what James wants to do to her. Yes. <laughs> oh, yep. <sighs> Yeah, he got all of those images. So it that, that also just like explains why he just kind of takes over and goes into like Edward. He just kind of goes, clicks into the survival mode and is like, I'm not having a conversation. We just need to fucking go. Because, yeah, he's seen visions of that. You're so right. Uh, how terrifying how is that? How terrifying. And your body not oh, remembering no. his vampire body just being so activated, not knowing that that's just a memory of someone else or a thought of someone else and not something that happened in his life. Mm-hmm. Ow. Oh, no. I thought I was just going to show up and talk about baseball this afternoon, Morgan. Oh. Ow. <sighs> so many feelings. Oh, my gosh. So we find out <laughs> this section should just be the end of just so we find out Bella's mom is safe. OK, we're going She's back safe. Mm-hmm. 
we find out that James was the creator of Alice. We get Alice's mm-hmm. little nibble of a backstory. Mm-hmm. And James is filming Bella with a camcorder. Oh, camcorders. Let's talk about camcorders. Oh I'm not Ew. going to, but Sadistic camcorders. And just and he's why? threatening. He's like, I hope Be- or I hope Edward sees this and I hope he knows, you know, blah, 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 whatever he said. Uh but then, but then the vampires show up, Morgan. The vampires show up and they start freaking fighting. And it is like a fight. There's mm-hmm. glass smashing. There's things being caught on fire. There's yelling and screaming. And everyone's getting, I just imagine a lot of punching. A lot of punching and a lot of flying across the room. Yeah, I imagine a lot of hissing. Mm-hmm. It's okay. a lot of <laughs> Yes. <laughs> A lot of hissing, oh, just animalistic so fight. So much. And like some crouching with yeah, my hands crouch. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I get. And and then Bella gets bit. Uh I'm I, nom nom. I know. I'm gonna read I'm gonna read just this part. I'm just gonna read it. I'm just gonna read it really quick. <clears throat> All right. Oh. So we know how people can get transformed. We sure do. We know now. We know how it happens. My hand hurts. I tried to tell him. I know, Bella. Carlisle will give you something. It'll stop. My hand is burning. I screamed, finally breaking through the last of the darkness, my eyes fluttering open. I couldn't see his face. Something dark and warm was clouding my eyes. Why couldn't they see the fire and put it out? His voice was frightened. Bella? The fire! Someone stopped the fire! I screamed as it burned me. Carlyle! Her hand! He bit her. Carlyle's voice was no longer calm. It was appalled. I heard Edward catch his breath in horror. Edward, you have to do it. It was Alice's voice, close by my head. Cool fingers brushed at the wetness in my eyes. No, he bellowed. Alice! I moaned. There may be a chance. Carlyle said. What? Edward begged. See if you can suck the venom back out. The wound is fairly clean. As Carlyle spoke, I could feel more pressure on my head, something poking and pulling at my scalp. The pain of it was lost in the pain of the fire. Will that work? Alice's voice was strained. I don't know, Carlyle said, but we have to hurry. Carlyle, I... Edward hesitated. I don't know if I could do that. There was an agony in his beautiful voice again. It's your decision, Edward. Either way, I can't help you. I have to get this bleeding stopped here if you're going to be taking blood from her hand. I writhed in the grip of the fiery torture, the movement making the pain in my leg flare sickeningly. She has a broken leg, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> does. <laughs> Edward, I screamed. I realized my eyes were closed again. I opened them, desperate to find his face, and I found him. Finally, I could see his perfect face staring at me, twisted into a mask of indecision and pain. Alice, get me something to brace her leg. Carlyle was bent over me, working on my head. Edward, you must do it now or it'll be too late. Edward's face was drawn. I watched his eyes as doubt was suddenly replaced with blazing determination. His jaw tightened. I felt his cool, strong fingers on my burning hand, locking it into place. And then his head bent over it, and his cold lips pressed against my skin. 
At first, the pain was worse. I screamed and thrashed against the cool hands that held me back. I heard Alice's voice trying to calm me. Something heavy held my leg to the floor, and Carlyle had my head locked in the vice of his stone arms. Then, slowly, my writhing calmed as my hands grew more and more numb. The fire was dulling, focusing into an ever smaller point. I'm not going to keep reading because it's just you get great conversation next and got to read Twilight yourself. But the part where because, okay, I'm going to say it's a little bit rough. It's a little bit choppy to watch this scene. It's a little bit too. It's so tight on Kristen Stewart's face and she is acting with every muscle in her face. And Edward is acting with excuse me. Robert Pattinson is acting with every muscle in his face. But I think that it's tough to um, get the uh, motivation and words and feelings behind those um, sounds of pain, anger, concern uh and yelling mm-hmm. uh of just oh gosh everyone's trying really hard and edward has a choice does he want to let the venom spread is he just gonna vampire bella right now mm-hmm. what are you gonna do that may be the easier thing to do for him mm-hmm. because now he has to try to draw that venom out and like can you imagine the most delicious uh, sauce we're talking about sauce yeah and this book is ketchup but like the most appetizing smelling blood. Mm-hmm. And he has to, um, yeah, suck out the venom, but stop when the delicious happens. Mm-hmm. When the irresistible urge to keep going occurs, <laughs> if you could stop, <laughs> that'd be cool. It's a lot. It's a lot of willpower. Mm-hmm. And he's a vampire and he still is not perfect and having trouble and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. What should he do? And he's like, no, I got to save her. I got to keep her human. She has to have these human experiences. Mm-hmm. She has to have these human experiences. Mm-hmm. I have to let her have those. He wants to protect her humanity. Ew. Oh, Because humans are important and squishy. Oh. And we have such cute, precious, adorable existences on this earth filled with pain and love and excitement and prom. Mm. Anyway. Prom. <laughs> we can't miss prom. <laughs> I'm just seeing on page 370. I don't know if Stephanie meant this, but I'd love to know if she wants to tell me. Uh, but she definitely gives a little... Uh, tip of the hat to Star Wars at the very beginning here with Edward and Bella. So Bella says, yes, I sighed. Thank you, Edward. I love you, he answered. I know. I breathed so tired. (laughs) (laughs) But in reverse. In reverse. I love that. (laughs) So I don't know if that was her intention, but that's how I'm going to read it Mm -hmm. as a fangirl. I think that the position of Abpod is that, yes, it is a Star Wars reference. It is to me. (sighs) Wow. So as the reader, once I got through this part, I was like, Dude, there's still, I mean, there's still maybe 20 or so pages, but like in the last 40 pages, we were just in Forks playing baseball and now we're in a ballet studio in Phoenix. Stop it. And everyone's bleeding and there's fire and they're ripping James apart and setting him on fire. So yeah, it, everything went up in flames. It sure, sure did. Yeah not going to talk about the movie anymore but that scene right there when it's just like hey and it's so tight on her face but bella's in the hospital mm-hmm. and edward's been there the whole time yep yep and bella actually gets to talk to her mom about edward for the first time yeah 
and they have a little conversation right you know okay so this is the boy like he seems to really like you he's how do you feel sleep. about him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he's totally pretending to sleep eavesdropping on this whole conversation <laughs> probably reading renee's thoughts and being like yeah what do you really think of me uh, <laughs> stop I'd it love to know what she's thinking right now <laughs> i hope we find out in midnight sun i can't wait to read that book <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a nice fall treat. Yep. And of course, you know, she says, hey, you're just really young. Just, you know, calm it down now. And now we know, too, this conversation is more meaningful for me as a reader now that I understand Renee's relationship with Charlie a little bit more. That Renee met Charlie when she was 19, just two years older than Bella. They had this whirlwind romance. So, you know, she's speaking from this place of knowing this heartbreak and and feeling like she's made this mistake in the past with moving fast and, and being wild. So, you know, that's her perspective here that she's now coming into the conversation with Bella. Oof. And, uh, you know, so her advice of just hey take her easy you know he's incredibly good looking he seems very nice to you um all that stuff and and bella just you know tries to be soothing and and just says mom it's just a crush like don't worry about it right i mean i like i'm pretty crazy about him (laughs) but it's fine yeah i like don't worry i like when renee says at the top of a top of page 379 well he seems very nice and i'm gonna do my minnesota mom accent real quick because it's just my minnesota mom era okay well he seems very nice and my goodness he's incredibly good looking but you're so young bella her voice was unsure as far as i could remember this was the first time since i was eight that she had come close to trying to sound like a parental authority i recognized the reasonable but firm tone in her voice from talks that i had had with her about men <laughs> renee renee <laughs> trying bella's to be so, the adult and bella's so she has had to be the parent um in she has had to fill a parental role in both of her relationships with her parents in different ways and so I think ma- Bella's maturity is not mm, appreciated by her parents because mm-hmm. they haven't matured to that level. So they can't see how much pre-thinking and caring she's doing. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine Bella being younger and being like, Renee, he's super bad for you. He stole the car last week. Dump him. Just mm-hmm. lecturing her mom about all of the stupid boys that she was dating or whatever. So Bella's in the hospital and she's still <laughs> supporting her mother in different ways. Yes. Telling still her emotionally still, supporting her mom. Still supporting her mom. <laughs> and it's like, yes, I it's uh, welcome here. It's so sweet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's like, Yeah, you can move to Jacksonville. And Bella's like, No, mom, I'm staying in Forks. No. Don't let my crazy message that I left you three days ago fool you. Right. False. I do want to stay in Forks. I don't actually hate it. These are just teenage hormones. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's just a crush. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh well, okay. We get a nice epilogue. I love a book epilogue, let me tell you. Love it. Uh, here we go to prom. We're going to prom. We're going to prom. Oh my gosh. So I like the way this book ends. Uh-huh. I must say, I think this is a beautiful light ending. Uh, the series could have ended here. 
but it didn't, which I love. Uh, but I, I like when a book is wrapped up that way, when it's like, hey, we came to a, a good stopping point. You got enough information that was satisfying for you. Uh, but, you know, Stephanie decides to carry it on and go into more detail, which I am fucking here for. Let me tell you. What are some of the details that jumped out at you from the epilogue? Well, I have opinions. So, okay, so I love Bella's just awkwardness and her so not caring about prom. Like she could not care less about this occasion. And Edward, of course, is the one who's just, hey, this is a part of being human. Um, wow, just experience this so you can say that you've experienced it. It's okay if you don't like it, but you know. Other people do this. It's yeah. just a part of, of your culture. She got dressed up <laughs> thinking that she was going to be changed. So there's that awkward moment at the beginning of the epilogue where Edward's like, are you ready? She's like, oh, I didn't realize that the reason why Alice was putting makeup on me all day and getting me all ready. She thought that it was a special occasion for something else. And she's mortified to realize that it's a stupid human prom. Mm. Yeah, he surprised her. Uh, and so we we go to prom and you said we get a look back at the characters and we get glimpses. This is what I loved was we get yes. glimpses of all of our characters. We see Mike and Lauren and all the Jessica. Angela and Jessica. And yet they're all hanging out Eric. over there and Tyler. Uh, and we also get the visual of all of the vampires on the dance floor in all of their beautiful outfits. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's like we just get um, I love it's like smooches, a couple little smooches at the end of the book of like, oh, mm-hmm. here's this visual for you. And here's this visual and here's this cute moment. Mm-hmm. But then also there's a couple um, there's some setting up for the next book in this one, too, Morgan. There is. I'm just I'm taken back by to uh, Rosalie's like deep strapless dress. Okay, read that part. Her back. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I love I, I don't loved. have it right in okay, front of me. On. No, because we if need you to. do. That's great. I did note the part. <laughs> uh, hello, Charlie, he said warily. Charlie, I frowned. Charlie had been difficult since my return to Forks. He had compartmentalized my bad experience into two defined reactions. Towards Kyle, he was most worshipfully grateful. On the other hand, he was stubbornly convinced that Edward was at fault. <laughs> I, just, I just love Bella's understanding of her father in yes. these pages as well. Okay, okay, I found it. Okay, yeah, All right. So on page 394, Meyer describes each of the Cullens. There it is. Yes. At the dance. Okay. <sighs> Emmett and Jasper were intimidating and flawless in classic tuxedos. Alice was striking in a black satin dress with geometric cutouts that bared large triangles of her snowy white skin. And Rosalie was, well, Rosalie. She was beyond belief. Her vivid scarlet dress was backless, tight to her calves, where it flared into a wide ruffled train, with a necklace that plunged to her waist. I pitied every girl in the room, myself included. (laughs) Just vampires being vampires. (laughs) Just being vampires. (laughs) So... Another moment, because we're gonna we're gonna just get a couple nuggets from this and then we can wrap it up. Yup. I love when they are dancing. And from Bella's point of view, it's Alice caught my eye on a turn and smiled in encouragement. I smiled back. I was surprised to realize that I was actually enjoying myself a little. Okay, this isn't half bad, I admitted. But Edward was staring towards the doors and his face was angry. Morgan, why was his face angry? 
Because what Jacob showed up at prom. Jacob showed up at prom. <laughs> La push baby, la push. La push baby. Oh my god! This is gosh. so awkward. I like why? Love. I imagine in my mind he shows up in a t-shirt that has a tuxedo on it. Like oh, in my mind, so? in my yeah. fake mind, like in my alternate universe, not the movies, not the books, but just adding a layer of comedy. He has dressed up in just his formal t-shirt wear, showing up. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, this whole thing. Poor Jacob. Just his dad sending him over here. He sends him. So this seems so awkward to me. Right. And then it's more awkward because Jacob explains while he's why he's there and says, well, my dad thought it would be a safe place. Quote unquote. And so Jacob probably just like, what the hell is my dad thinking? Like, I don't understand. And you know, Bella, I just, my dad paid me to say this to you. So like, don't take it personally, but I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger and I have no idea what it means. So anyway, how are you? (laughs) So he comes to basically, yeah, deliver a message from his dad um, about the Collins and just to let her know like, hey, we'll be watching and, and kind of looking after things. No, it's, it's Morgan. It's specifically, it's, it's so bad. He says, it's so bad. Okay. Yes, no, I need thing. to read this read the part. Whole thing. It's so bad. Because just imagine 15, 16 year old so Jacob. Bad. And he totally has a crush so on her. This dad's oh. like, you got to go tell the girl you have a crush on this really awkward, weird thing. The teenager dialogue oh, no. is real good. I just notice how good the teenager dialogue is. Morgan, <sighs> it's so bad. I don't care. Tell me. I insisted. Okay, but geez, this sounds bad. He shook his head. He said to tell you, no, to warn you that, and this is his plural, not mine. He lifted one hand from my waist and made little quotation mark in the air. We'll be watching. He watched warily for my reaction. It sounded like something from a mafia movie. I laughed out loud. Sorry you had to do this, Jake, I snickered. I don't mind that much, he grinned in relief. His eyes were appraising as they raked quickly over my dress. So, should I tell him that you said to butt the hell out? He asked hopefully. No, I sighed. (laughs) Tell him I said thanks, and I know he means well. The song ended and I dropped my arms. So Ugh, we're getting, she's so elegant. We're setting up too for like the continuation into the next because there's another book. Morgan, did you know that there's another book after this? There is another book. And so, what are these characters going to get up to? Because it turns out Bella's not being turned into a vampire tonight. Nope, she's just not. She doesn't not get happening. that. It's prom, and she needs to prom. Mm-hmm. Bella needs to prom because it's prom. Yep, yep. Bella and Edward just decide, hey, this is enough right now. We don't have to rush towards anything. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be speedy. We can take our time, which again is then the end and the theme of this book is like, hey, don't actually rush in. Just chill the fuck out. Chill the fuck out. You young lovers. Yep. There's time. One finger. Calm it down. On the arm. Just, Slowly. Just a little one. And then run away. Yeah. Yeah. That's My love. Goodness. That's love right <gasps> there. Well, wow. I had just... A fabulous time with this book. This I just seriously I just book had book nook man. I just had a fun time. Yeah. This this really took me away from it all. I'm so happy. Twilight, dude. Twilight, Twilight baby. This is a it's nostalgia Twilight. podcast. My goodness, just oh. the warm fuzzies. And now you have these warm fuzzies on top of previous warm fuzzies, and that's fun. And mm-hmm. we recorded this book nook, and this was also a warm fuzzy for me. You made me feel feelings about Edward that I've never felt before, Morgan. And I will be taking the rest of the day to recover. New eyes. Yeah. 
coming at this real. with new eyes. <sighs> Ooh, I can't wait for new moon. New moon's next. <gasps> Ooh, it is. Well, Sam, should we wrap this one up? Yeah, let's get out of here, Morgan. Great. Fun. Awesome. So next Wednesday, we'll be back with... Uh, just one of kind of our regular episodes. Okay, we're gonna maybe talk about some astrology, maybe talk about some history. Loki learned some stuff, and then two weeks from now, e- we're going to be reading Twilight New Moon. Twilight New Moon. Twilight Start now. New Moon. Start Part now. One of Twilight New oh. Moon. Oh, I can't wait. Oh my goodness. Yes. So many feelings. So many feelings. So we'll see you back here. Well, we'll see everybody. No, I hate that too. Mm-hmm. I hate all of it. Bye. This is book nook. <laughs> uh, this is book nook. This is book nook. Well, this has been Morgan and Samantha Aquarius Behavior. Stay hydrated, buddies. Thank you to Joybird for the use of our theme song. For real. Love and abundance, friends. Bye. I got a smile, take it.